0: Welcome to Feminist Coffee Hour, where we tackle the political ubers from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Karen. You can visit our website at feministcoffeehour.com, or you can send us an email at feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. And before we get started with today's topic, I just want to wish Karen happy first anniversary to our podcast. Happy
1: anniversary, yay! (laughs) Happy anniversary, Feminist Coffee Hour. We've had a great year.
0: Yeah, and um, we want to thank everybody for listening who's been with us since the beginning, and we look forward to continuing for a long time to come. All right, so today's topic is Clinton versus Trump. You've heard our Clinton v. Sanders podcast, Mm -hmm. um, which was a very popular one, so I'm assuming you've heard it. If go back and check it and from that podcast, I think you could probably gather that you'd be endorsing Clinton on this podcast. For the general election, uh, and we want to talk about some of the um, some meta issues surrounding the campaign, um, specifically about the way that the campaign is being covered, the way it's being talked about, and some generic things about the way that Donald Trump is presenting himself in this campaign. If you want to know more about what we think about Hillary Clinton, especially what our feminist critique Hillary Clinton is please go back and listen to the earlier episode because we had a lot to say about her and what we think that her vulnerabilities are problematic issues are. So, um, Karen, one thing that I wanted to talk about is that even though we're endorsing Hillary Clinton with our friends and family members, especially for Jill Stein and how, especially in a state where you know, it's going to go for Clinton or Trump. Um, that can definitely be a feminist act, but, People who are voting third party in a swing state, or who are voting third party, the way they talk about it isn't necessarily about the issues of of Jill Stein, but they're looking at it because they think that Clinton and Trump are the same, and they're creating a false equivalence. And I think that there's a lot of issues with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly, if not a, a full equivalence, uh, kind of an equal harm, ultimately. I think we uh, had chatted also a little bit about how we were kind of curious where the uh, kind of anarchist uh, vote for Trump has been, because people have been really silent on that lately. I think uh, we talked also a little bit about um, the kind of role that the vocal alt-right has played in, I think, helping dissuade people of the idea that a vote for Trump could Foment some sort of revolution and that the populace would reject a President Trump.
0: Yes. Um, A few months ago, there were a lot of people who seemed to be, or who outright said that they were going to vote for Trump because he was the left answer, because he would make the right look worse and it would collapse the Republican Party. However, it seems as if even if Trump loses the Republican Party, though, he doesn't need to be president for that to happen.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it does look that way.
0: I think there is still one or two people vocally that, you know, just let Trump win and why the world burn because that'll be make us all better off in the end. Um, I know that the podcaster, uh, Jimmy Dore was making that argument, who was wonderfully shut down by Sam Cedar. I'll link to that. But aside from him, I think a lot of the people who had previously been saying, Let let Trump go in and bring a revolution have kind of why I haven't heard much from Susan Sarandon Hmm. um, since the convention.
1: Yeah. I think we also were talking about how, um, to me at least, and uh, we talked about this bit, uh, that voting for a third-party candidate might make more sense to me if the third-party candidate seemed like better candidates or more viable candidates than Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And I think Bernie Sanders was uniquely situated to be both an insider and an outsider. But I think currently uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein are kind of much more firmly outsiders in some ways politically. I know, um, I know Gary Johnson has political experience, mm. but we had also talked about how Jill Stein is a Green Party candidate. Uh, the Green Party, especially uh, also in our local election in New York, tends to front artist candidates. Performance artists are uh, musicians, uh, political theater artists into two political... Yeah, theaters. like Bill Tallon. hmm yes.
0: Yeah, I voted for Reverend Billy mm-hmm. in 2009, and, well, I mean, his name is Bill Tallon, and the character mm-hmm. that he plays in his, his performance art is, is Reverend mm-hmm. Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a fan of his, and um, I think he does good work and, and interesting work. And the reason that I voted for him for mayor was because... Um, Thompson wasn't that impressive Mm. to me in 2009 and while there's a lot I disagree with about Michael Bloomberg I thought he was very good on climate change and I didn't really see much of a difference in the 2000 race for NYC mayor Mm. so to me it felt much safer to vote Green Party than it would in this election
1: Right, and I also love Reverend Billy and I liked his efforts with Develop Don't Destroy Brooklyn which... I mean, I think he was correct in hindsight. <laughs> yes. Um, and so... Yeah, He's been around for a long time. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk also a little bit about Jill Stein's policies that make me uh, less interested in her as a third party candidate um, and more um, solid in endorsing Clinton, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that particularly irks me about Jill Stein being a medical doctor Uh, She plays kind of a a wordplay when confronted on vaccines. So while not expressly Mm anti-vaccine, she uh, does a false equivalency when the uh, issue of vaccines are brought up between uh, vaccination and her the kind of leftist umbrella term of big pharma for some of the struggles that we have with uh, healthcare being private in the U.S. or the development of pharmaceuticals being private industry as opposed to a public good. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think equating vaccines with some of the um, kind of shady corporate dealings with drug companies and doctors is very irresponsible, and I think it is very misleading in that I think it uh, informs people that vaccines are not to be trusted or that vaccines, I mean, the vaccine developed by Jonas Salk was not patented because it was for the people. Like the opposite of this big pharma narrative, you know, is the history of vaccination. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that irritates me. Um, I think she really does like to not rule out a lot of conspiracy theories. I think it does bad things for the integrity of the Green Party when she does stuff like that. And I think uh, that's not the only thing. I think she talks about energy independence without a clear plan and without nuclear. Uh, And a lot of her campaign promises are not backed up in her explanations of policy. And I think John Oliver did a really good segment on her plans to pay for college tuition, not being particularly viable.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, The only counterpoint to that, that I would say, because I discussed this, with someone who's a big Green Party supporter Mm -hmm. is that she wrote a policy paper about the college thing. And what she said was that no matter how we paid for it, whether it was with a tax or, you know, printing money, Mm -hmm. is that it would be a stimulus. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I believe that. Because if someone doesn't have a good job, and also they're in debt, if you take away the debt, that's not going to give give them that much more income it might give them some more income to spend mm-hmm. but you know if you're ma- if you're maxing out your credit card every month to pay rent and buy food and then you have you know two or three hundred dollars less in your student loan payment wouldn't you just be using that on your, your basic necessities I feel like maybe maybe it would but um I'd like to see more information on that 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 debt relief in that term would be a stimulus mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then also talking about uh, Johnson. I mean, if you are at all left-leaning, Johnson is not your man unless your only left-leaning issue is marijuana legalization. That's been really extensively covered. Exactly. Um, Not the least of which is his uh, weird love for private prisons.
0: Indeed. Um, The one last thing I wanted to say about Jill Stein is um, how she kind of also is wishy-washy on homeopathy, which has seemingly become bigger in the United States recently. Um, there was an article in time magazine about, about how 10 children have died because of homeopathic teething remedies. Um, and it's not just a niche thing anymore that you get at a health food store or order online. People were purchasing, purchasing these at big chain drug stores like, like CVS and Walgreens. So that's a problem. If, uh, homeopathic medicine is literally killing people and she can't bring herself to condemn it because of who her base of support is.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think of Jill Stein as kind of a second wave earth goddess, uh, style hippie. She definitely is. I mean, you know,
0: John, John Oliver was making fun of her music, but there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe she should go back to that. Like what you did, the gritty supports artists. Maybe she should, you know, release another album and give the profits to climate change activism and
1: yeah I think she that would be great <laughs> I think she can represent who she wants to represent and I think that if if she represents her values I can't imagine why anyone would tell you to vote for someone else it's just the reason why she doesn't represent my values are these things I don't know necessarily if she needs to go back to being a musician instead of a politician but it seems to me that she's actually very politically savvy. Uh, she knows better with vaccines. She must know better with homeopathy as a medical doctor. And she's playing her party with plausible deniability. So I think she is a savvy politician.
0: Oh, of course she is. Very slick. Yes. But that's why I get upset. Yes. Because if we're going to call out Hillary and Trump and, and Bernie Sanders when they say ridiculous things and insult their intelligence, I'm going to have to do the same thing with Jill Stein.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: But speaking of calling people out.
1: Karen.
0: Yes. Are we body shaming Donald Trump?
1: Oh, I would like to call out with reservations, uh, the body shaming of Donald Trump. Um, I know that a lot of people are on both sides of this, uh, but my official feminist coffee hour stance is that yes, we are body shaming Donald Trump. And yes, it is wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think especially with all the dick jokes, which are so, they're so mainstream. And so many of the people who are making these dick jokes, are men themselves and so I just feel like you know one I don't want to hear about anyone's boner I feel like I for I feel like this is a big part of my stance uh which is funny because who doesn't love boners but I don't want to hear maybe about that it.
0: should be a new tagline
1: who doesn't love boners
0: feminist coffee or no no feminist coffee or podcast stop talking about, stop your, boner. Talking
1: about your boner yeah I feel like that's my personal uh tagline <laughs>
0: should make that in your twitter bio instead of scientist snack eater stop talking about your boner i
1: could i could say maybe not instead but in addition yeah (laughs) uh but i'm sure the second i put that in my twitter bio i would get so many inundations with boner talk uh because that's how (laughs) the internet works pictures yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, lots of people talking about... Like, the last thing I want to think about is about Trump's wiener, uh, mm-hmm. which apparently he likes to kind of force on people. Uh, and everyone seems really interested in forcing the idea of it on me by making jokes about it and about how small it must be. And I have to say, I think it's really limiting an idea of masculinity. And I, I understand the impulse because he's so... Uh, his self esteem is so obviously tied to his traditional masculinity uh, or this traditional sense of dominance mm-hmm. over women, which, like, large dick size is a, a subsidiary kind of concept. But um, I think it only hurts people who are not Donald Trump, who, for all we know, has a gigantic wiener. I've never seen it, thankfully. I mean, you <laughs> can we will we make it to
0: November 8th without seeing it?
1: I sure hope so. (laughs) I don't care how much it influences this podcast Be released.
0: (laughs) Well, will 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 this podcast be released before there is a picture of it?
1: This is like the world's worst. Would you rather? Because I think that if if a Donald, (laughs) would you rather see Donald Trump's dick in the press or have Donald Trump be closer in the election? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mm. All right. So, um, but uh,
0: I think that yeah. uh, I think you make a good point about his vulnerability being a big orange bullseye. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I'm
1: womp, womp. <laughs>
0: that, that people can't help but but poke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's still still not okay. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a terrible person, you should still have ethics for yourself.
1: Right. And just because somebody's a jerk doesn't mean you get to be a jerk. Because somebody's always a jerk. Like somebody's Mm -hmm. always a jerk and there are a lot of leftist jerks and you know what i don't think that that allows right wing people to be jerks i don't i feel like i'm responsible for my behavior i'm not going to body shame somebody uh and if i am body shaming somebody i would really like to be confronted about it maybe not called out about it Mm -hmm. anyway um more nuanced than the specific like explicit dick ones are uh, Mm -hmm. the tiny hands ones uh, which mm-hmm. I desperately want to separate from the, the connection of tiny hands and tiny dicks.
0: I don't think you uh, can.
1: I know. And we, we've talked about this so much cause I really want like the tiny hands thing is just so funny. Uh, visually. <laughs> like, it's just really amazing. Like giant suit sleeves with tiny, uh, like baby <laughs> doll hands sticking out. Like those pictures are just so funny. They're just so funny. I can't help it. Uh, but I, I do think they do, they're funny to most people. Like, the reason it's funny to most people is because it implies a tiny dick. Whereas to me, it's just a cute visual gag. Sadly.
0: Agreed. Sometimes things have unfortunate implications.
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to make an official call out for tiny hands jokes. Even if, Uh, well, so you remember when I said confront me if I'm doing body shaming? Feel free to give me feedback on that if I need a a come to Jesus moment on it.
0: Yeah. That is your prerogative. Send us (laughs) a tweet. Let us know what you think about body shaming Donald Trump and, um, voting third party and anything else we talk about today.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, we do not shy away from confrontation.
0: Yeah. So yeah, definitely. We'd love to talk more about it. Um, something that has surprised me about this campaign is the, um, coverage of the alt-right and their influence on politics and on the election Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. they've kind of they are donald trump's base and Mm -hmm. what that means not only for the country in terms of the direction that we're going in politically but how um, a lot of people had to really kind of play catch-up and and learn about who these people are what this movement is and to most online feminists, to anyone who is spends a lot of time on the internet, on Reddit, on Twitter, is very familiar with 4chan and the red pill and um, people who C-Lions. can't stop tweeting about white Sea gen- lions. Oh, yes, they are sea lions. People who can't stop tweeting about white genocide and Um <laughs> To me, it's obvious who these people are. But a lot of people have other things to do with their time and don't know what's going on. And it's surprising and shocking to them because to most people, trolls are trolls. They're just You just ignore them because it's just some person on the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's been really surprising to people um, that comment sections aren't created by evil robots. You know, they're created by people who vote. Uh, And who have had a a vocal figurehead in this election. Um, Somebody who has cozied up. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has retweeted neo-Nazi memes, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, explicitly neo-Nazi. Indeed. And then claimed that uh, the Star of David was intended to be a sheriff's star. (laughs) And uh, it's kind of interesting, people being confronted with these people. I was actually, I had a bit of a schadenfreude last night on Twitter uh, when Sam Harris tweeted quote if you have a green frog in your Twitter bio or use the word cuck without irony please unfollow me and block me go ahead make it hurt and I had to tweet at him this is the bet he made by his persistent uh, uh, anti-progressive Islamophobia and anti-woman statements. Or at least, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they are anti-woman, they're just couched in this language of evolutionary psychology, which is one of our show's pet peeves. Uh,
0: yeah, Karen, it's not that women aren't smart, they're just not interested in math or science.
1: Well, does it have an estrogen vibe to it, if it's too confrontational? <laughs> if, it's, if it's something that I do as a man, and you don't do as a woman, then our Savannah ancestors didn't need you to survive. <laughs> Anyway, back to the all right. right um, I think people are much more aware, I think they're attacking men also now, uh, in a way that they weren't before, in a way that they held only for women. I think the term cuck is really interesting, I think it's a, a gendered slur that doesn't have an equivalent for the other gender, which I think men haven't really had in a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think it, uh, that creates an equivalence or creates a feeling in men that I think is generally reserved for the harassment of women. And I think that's
0: Oh, that's interesting. I have two things to say about this now. Um, one is my generic discussion of this word because I think that people kind of gloss over the kind of second meaning about it. Because, like, the first meaning is it's a, it's a man who's being cheated on. Mm. Um, it's a genre it can also mean a man who's being cheated on and likes it. But when they say cuck what they specifically mean is, um, a man who has a, a woman as a sexual partner and she is having sex with another man who is a man of color and he specifically likes it. He specifically wants his white female partner and he's white too, to have sex with a man of color. That's, what conservative means and that's why you know they they use it at jeb jeb bush because his wife's Mm. mexican and he's in favor of immigration and they're like oh well i mean i guess that's different because his wife isn't white but um you know the discussion is he must want to have his wife have cheat on him with more mexican immigrants or something like that it's specifically a slur about how they think that that man's um sexual interests are influencing his views on public policy, specifically immigration. And I think that gets glossed over way too much. It's not just like, Oh, your woman's cheating on you. It's like, no, your woman's cheating on you with the man of color and you like it. And that's why you favor immigration because all the Brown men are coming for the white women. It's, it's that nuance. And I hate how it always gets glossed over because it takes more than 10 seconds to explain
1: Yes, there are a lot of layers to that onion of the term conservative uh all of them gross <laughs> yeah yeah its it's not fun stuff,
0: um, it's not dinner table yeah. conversation. I mean, I it's wish like, that it wasn't
1: <laughs> but like exploitatively sexualized racism,
0: yeah. Um, and the other thing is that I was thinking of what you just said was um, mm-hmm. college humor had a video a couple of weeks ago called The C Word But For Men. And it mm. was about a woman who was really mad at a guy and didn't want to call him a cunt because he was a guy. And she was like, What's the C Word But For Men? And they couldn't think of one, obviously, because there is none. But I mm-hmm. guess cock or conservative comes pretty close. Yeah, Especially... and I think
1: that's why it riles men up so much, where I think that they're struck with the same sense of, like, amused confusion, but anger at the slight, you know, anger at the intent. Uh, the, yeah, I be, mean, like...
0: there's... Yeah, there's some liberal men who are, like, using it ironically, like, haha, yeah, I'm a cock," lol, like, who are, like, almost immediately taking it back the way yeah, that, same you with know. Cunt. Yeah, or, yeah, or, like, feminist horror This is an explicit
1: episode, everybody, FYI. We see the little <laughs> E next to the episode. You know why now. <laughs> That's true, yeah. We've used both
0: C-words several times, and we're going to keep going. Oh, yeah. This is um, your, um, unfortunately, this is the state of civics, and we haven't even gotten to the Trump video yet. <laughs>
1: No, oh my gosh! It I'm only gets worse from here, everybody.
0: To learn about the election, kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you have to to but this I mean, Muslim that's who the alt right is, <laughs>
0: and and that's if yeah, and that's uh that's who um is who Trump's pandering to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So to continue getting into the mud, we wanted to yes. talk about kind of the meta conversation around the 2005 Trump video with Billy Bush.
1: mm-hmm Yeah. Uh, and so for those who haven't heard about it, which is would be very strange to me, especially, I assume that the people who are the audience for our podcast are at least partially politically aware. Um, there was a scandal between the first and second debate uh, that was released, uh, these tapes from an Access Hollywood bus of a hot mic of Billy Bush and Donald Trump, um, where Donald Trump makes some statements about women he says he moved on some women like a bitch it's not clear if he was saying that she was the bitch or for rejecting him or if he was the bitch for getting rejected and like bitch was a self-direct it's really hard to understand what he's talking about a lot oh i think he meant
0: Um, i think he meant he moved on her like he was a bitch in heat i think that's what he meant
1: oh that see that's a third take that i had not considered um Mm. anyway which is gross yeah, all of it's nasty. No, there's no way that that could be interpreted in a good way. It's just witch bad way? We like I value precision. <laughs> uh, anyway. Like the
0: editor of Bitch Magazine. Like, no, he did not mean that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and easy. Like a stitch right, and bitch knitting that.
0: feminist session. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> I don't think he meant that either. Yeah. I was trying to put a crochet border on her um anyway <laughs> uh that said girl power oh, jesus. um i say jesus a lot for an atheist by the way back to business mm-hmm. uh he also stated that he grabs women by the pussy that they let him do it because he's famous <laughs> i'm paraphrasing this follow-up part but grabbing women by the pussy is almost exactly what he said uh I think he said them instead of women. <laughs> uh, and then at the end of this video, um, or these tapes, they you, you hear them in this sexually coercive kind of conversation with the actress who is with them uh, saying like, put your arm around the person you'd rather date more, you know, and like trying to, trying to move on her like a bitch. and it's really creepy Um, it's kind of like exactly for me it's kind of like exactly how I imagine things go in show business uh, where men are gross and women are valued only in their ability to be objectified Um, and so a lot of women found this very disturbing for some reason (laughs) And in a lot of the fallout from it, um, a lot of the public uh, discussion of it has been about how uh, asking women to come forward to talk about their experiences with sexual violence. Um, and this has really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm, I'm really, uh, I am really i want to say that if that is freeing for you and if that feels like you are owning your narrative uh, in a space where it's being really brought up for you, uh, I like more power to you I'm not criticizing uh, that impulse or that kind of community creation um, or ownership of your experiences but one of the things I'd really like to see that I feel like I'm not seeing and one of the reasons why I'm frustrated about it is I don't see calls to men to say have you ever talked like this when have you ever heard another man talk like this Uh, what was your inner turmoil at hearing that did you act on that turmoil did you play into it did you confront it Uh, and I want to hear about that I want men to get vulnerable in the wakes of these things I want men to show what they do to be allies with women in these cases um because women don't have access to these spaces. It's it's not something that women are able to proactively get involved in because men do it around other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the things that's been entertaining to me uh, is that I've kind of had a an itchy trigger finger on this with Facebook comments. And so with two separate um, comment sections under friends posts, I've seen men... Uh, make this defense that all men say things like this and i cannot stop myself from typing do you say this mm-hmm. when you know why um and i've gotten one without any response and one kind of repeated deflection with accusations of me twisting their words <laughs> it's not uh, twisting
0: their words it's almost like donald yeah, trump all saying men people, say people twisting their words like donald trump said I grab women by the pussy, and then a bunch of women said, yeah, you grabbed me by the pussy, and then he's like, I, I didn't – you said you did.
1: Yeah. And so uh, I'm really curious. Um, if anyone thinks that all men say that but them uh, and but the men that they've been around, I'm really curious why you have that idea. Um, if men have said it, I want to hear it. You know, I want your vulnerability. And I've been in all-white spaces where people have thought that they could – say racist shit to me and they've said that's racist that's not funny um and i'm i'm really comfortable with confrontation i think i've said this earlier in the episode i'm really comfortable in a space where ideas are challenged um and so i might be in a different position than some people uh to confront this um And usually, I mean, the spaces in which this happens are spaces where I feel comfortable with my status uh, or comfortable with my status changing in the eyes of the person I've spoken to. But I really want to hear like other people talk about times when they didn't stand up, you know, Uh, or when they did. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are these experiences like for men? Because this transformation is not going to be started by women if women are not allowed in the spaces where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, I know we have male listeners, so um, tweet at us and let us know how it went. Email us. Um, this is an interesting conversation. Um, I have heard some men just say, like, I guess I'm lucky because I know that there are men who talk this way, but I none of my friends talk this way. But um, mm-hmm. keep. I want to hear more, though. There's got to be more than that to the conversation because it can't end there.
1: Yeah, and I I went to a debate-watching party at um, Stephen Bruckert, friend of the podcast, Stephen Bruckert's uh, apartment, where I asked the men in attendance, like, genuinely, like, have you ever heard a dude talk like this? Like, have you heard a dude say that he does these things? And one person said that they had a roommate who said things like that on a regular basis and said all kinds of things, not just in terms of sexual violence towards women, but other kinds of antisocial things, um, in that a lot of the time... Like, it was almost a desensitization for them, uh, that, like, they would confirm when they felt like it, but not when they didn't. And, like, they just kind of just wrote this person off as, like, a really unhinged, aggressive person Uh, and an anomaly. It's, like, a a bad person, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in general. And I have not yet heard um, someone who I thought was cool said this horrible thing about women thinking we would all just think it was funny and no one said anything or, and we went, we went along with it or, and I confronted it. Like, that's what I'm really curious to hear about. You know, I'm here curious to hear all the stories.
0: Yes. And, um, speaking of that, uh, two things, this is going a little bit off topic, but I was just thinking back to, um, in college when I knew a lot of very young men, And I think sometimes they'd make comments like that and then they would say it was just a joke or they were doing it ironically. Um, And I I think they were probably at least half joking. But there's a reason they thought it was funny. And that reason Mm -hmm. was they did harbor some misogyny. Like there was a reason that even though they would never actually act that way. They thought it was funny to talk that way because of some kind of resentment, I would think,
1: towards women. Right. Right. Or they thought it would be received in a certain way because they have this idea that culturally we value women less.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say was I will not spoil anything because I don't want to ever spoil the my current... Um, fave a crazy ex girlfriend, which is not as problematic as you think it is. The title is ironic. Speaking of ironic sexism, the title mm. of my favorite show is Ironically Sexist. Um, and uh, Rebecca Eisenberg pointed out on Twitter that in the show there is a character, Hector, who will say things that are sexist, and two of his friends, Josh and Greg, will occasionally call him out on it. Not every time. But sometimes, and she said it's kind of cool to see that being modeled on TV, on a network TV show. And I agree. And go watch Mm -hmm. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and tell me what you think. That's cute. So getting back to the election, which is coming up faster every day, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about specific policies. Um, quickly about their, Clinton and Trump's maternity leave policy, and also about their their VA policy. And on the maternity leave, Hillary Clinton wants to pretty much update the FMLA, which requires 12 weeks unpaid leave um, for the birth or adoption of one's child, or to care for a sick family member, or in terms of your own illness, and she wants to make that 12 weeks paid. Um, what Donald Trump wants to do is to have six weeks paid, but only for the biological mother of the child and also to make uh, a childcare tax deductible, which in many cases it also already is if you set up a special account for it. So I'm not exactly sure what that would change. And it's a pretty regressive tax because if you don't have the money for childcare, making it tax free isn't going to help you.
1: Mm hmm also i would like to point out that in researching this episode uh we went to the websites of the candidates to read what their official policy statements are and i do want to tell you that right now as of right now if you look at uh donald trump's position on child care page at the bottom of the page where it says contrast with hillary clinton uh, it's one sentence long it says hillary clinton has not proposed any specific solutions for child care (laughs) <laughs> what she's,
0: I don't She says we need to make daycare more affordable But she also proposed universal pre-k So I guess right. not specific Solutions for children under the age Of four But she did say universal pre-k Which would be a help to a great many Families in this country I know that we have it in New York City Well New York City is working towards it Or New York State even Is working mm-hmm. towards it And um, it's not everywhere yet but but you know, it is helping out a lot of families.
1: Yeah, and another point that I, I wanted to um, bring up about Hillary Clinton's uh, FMLA update is also that, um, as is currently covered, uh, which Elizabeth had pointed out to me that it is currently covered, um, one of the remarkable things is that it would also cover caring for a sick adult relative. So, for example, a relative with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Currently, there are, I think, 15 million uh, American family caregivers of people with dementia uh, or Alzheimer's specifically. And uh, I can post a more accurate number uh, with a source in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's a huge percentage of the American population that is a caregiver for a sick loved one. um, And particularly with Alzheimer's, which will only grow as our population ages. Uh, and so I think it's mm-hmm. really uh, comprehensive that it would cover that. So
0: I agree. It's um, really important. And you mm-hmm. wanted to talk about VA policy.
1: Yeah. Veterans policy. And so
0: even though I he talks about talk veterans about... in despicable ways.
1: Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning um, that Donald Trump has kind of really flippantly talked about Purple Hearts Um, mentioned that John McCain was not a war hero because he was a POW. Uh, and, uh, his statement about people with PTSD being weak. Um, those are all disgusting. (laughs) Uh, and I don't think anyone who claims to be uh, supportive of our veterans and their health care, uh, would say something like that um but he has said three things like that um i think it's worth pointing out um that uh, his official 10-point plan to reform the department of veterans affairs uh most of everything on there is something that already exists or a commission that has already been concluded uh and so it's, it's really not clear what knew he would do He mentions appointing a VA secretary, Uh, currently Robert McDonald is the VA secretary, um, and it is a position that has existed since the late 80s. Um, It doesn't really make any sense. Um, He wants to create a commission to investigate fraud, cover-up, and wrongdoing. This has already happened, that's how we know about the fraud and the wrongdoing. I don't know what another commission would do beyond what the first commission did. I think uh, the one positive thing in it is that uh, he proposes increasing the number of mental health care professionals, uh, which would likely be useful. But again, this is uh, different from VA to VA again, I think the best way for the VA to do this is to incentivize people to move to unpopular areas with higher salaries. Because the problem is not that there aren't mental health professionals that want to work with veterans. The problem is that there are not a lot of mental health professionals with the degrees and credentialing that the VA requires that are interested in living in rural areas.
0: Yes, Paul Reikhoff, Paul Rykoff from, uh, American Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America, um, said on, mm-hmm. on Rachel Maddow or to Rachel Maddow that, um, the, the quality of VA care varies wildly from place to place.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are a lot of options, but, um, it's very difficult when you can't go physically to another VA. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to help that might be to, um, Modernize the telehealth, uh, telemental health uh, structure. I was going to ask would you require about that again. More money. Um, mm-hmm. I can't. I'm really I, not able to talk too much about that, even though I know quite a bit about that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I th- I
0: think what you're getting at though is that a lot of the things that he's proposing are redundant things that we mm-hmm. already have. Or yes. don't really make a lot of sense in context and I think that's pretty much all or most of his policies that yeah, they going, sound good if pages. you don't know anything about it if you don't know anything about veterans health this would sound great mm-hmm. but right. if you research it at all it doesn't make any sense and it's it's the same thing with almost everything that he proposes he's really targeting people who only want to think about the presidency and our government in sound bites and mm. no deeper than an extremely shallow level. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are nuts and bolts to Hillary Clinton's um, maternity leave but mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense than than what he's proposing. And she's provided them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: If you want to read all those papers, you can on her website.
1: Right. And so it's really great because when she has a policy position, she's not afraid to get in the weeds with it and then be very public about why she makes the choices that she makes, how she's going to implement her plans. Um, But like a great example of how Donald Trump's website says, read about his 100 day plan on energy. Uh, It says nothing about his 100 day plan on energy. It's a transcript of a speech that he made in North Dakota. And most of it is just um, talking shit about Hillary Clinton And President Obama uh, I'm not exactly sure What his plan is uh, Even going to his website His plan is depend- uh, to pander his materials plan. Yeah, and it works uh, And one of the reasons that I feel like It's worth kind of looking at this is I think when you look at Like the women for Trump Hashtag or whatever the hashtags are um, For women who are Supporting Donald Trump When the rest of the nation is perplexed Uh, How a woman could support a a candidate You see a lot of responses that are like Because of policy, not emotion Um, As though not wanting a serial groper in office uh, Is emotional As opposed to uh, rational When uh, the last president that was caught Groping someone in office had to be impeached uh, mm-hmm. Which halted all kinds of political process and was a a mess for our country. Uh, that whole process. Although was a mess I guess for you could country. argue
0: about George W. Bush massaging Angela Merkel.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: Ugh. Yeah. Besides so, making the best GIF in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah.
1: But Um, but you're you're totally
0: right that um it doesn't make sense because a lot of his policies don't make sense so
1: right and so I I mean if you want to argue Donald Trump's policy with me I will so just let me know I would love to get in the weeds we are not (laughs) afraid of confrontation (laughs) Um, but
0: we are encouraging everyone to vote. And mm-hmm. to tweet at us and tell us what mm-hmm. you think about our conversation leading up to the election.
1: Absolutely.
0: And do you have anything to add, Karen?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vote for the candidate you feel uh, is best equipped to run the country, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you take into account what we've said. <laughs>
0: Yeah. We will hopefully be coming back to you in another month. We have yeah. uh, still a lot of stuff that we want to get to, a lot of exciting mm. guests. If you check out the upcoming episode bar on our webpage, it's continually changing because we are continually shifting what we're going to do next. But we do have mm-hmm. lots of great stuff coming to you as uh, 2016 comes to a close and as we move into 2017. So we're so happy that you've been with us for this past year, and we look forward to you being with us for many years to come.
1: Thanks for listening. And for those who want to, uh, after we blow up and are part of a major podcast network, wanted to listen to our early independent stuff and uh, have now listened to our first year of podcasting, congratulations. This is the rawest we'll ever be. Yes. (laughs) I hope I still get to make boner jokes.
0: Yeah, we're not selling out if it means we can't make boner jokes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Damn the man.
0: (laughs) True. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. feminist coffee hour podcast theme song is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth. You can listen to her music at soundcloud.com/bridget-ellsworth. And you can listen to her other songs there as well. And if you like what you hear, you can give her a like or even a follow.